Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. For real estate in a recession, I think you have to plan on no more rent increases, increased delinquency and lack of demand for maybe certain higher end properties. All of these things need to be stress test into your deals. Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm joined today by Travis Watts and Slocum Reed. Travis and Slocum are fellow co-hosts for the best ever podcast. This is our weekly roundtable where we pick a topic and share our discussions with all of you. On today's episode, we're going to have a discussion on what a hard landing for the economy or out of control inflation would look like. Every recession has been preceded by a rising rate environment, which we're currently in. So let's assume rates keep rising and that ends up leading us to a recession. Travis, I'm going to start with you. What does that look like for the overall economy? Great topic. Great stuff. We were chatting here just before the show on a couple different ideas here. So first of all, Travis Watts, a full-time passive investor and director of investor education with Joe Fairless over at Ashcroft Capital. 
It's really interesting, this go around. You were sharing, Asha, that someone told you they went to a real estate conference and no one likes to talk about the elephant in the room, right? We don't like to talk about recessions or rising rates or what that could mean. Everyone likes to remain bullish all the time on whatever it is they do. So that's why I'm happy to talk about it. So for a little bit of context, we're talking about really the Fed funds rate. So when we talk about rates rising, so this is the committee, this is Jay Powell getting up there and setting a target, which is like an overnight borrowing rate for banks and lenders and stuff like that. So when they say 75 basis point hike, something like that, they're talking about raising that overnight borrowing rate. So when that happens, you see other types of rates rise as well, like a mortgage rate. So A, that makes it really difficult for businesses, companies to grow and to expand and stuff like that. It also makes it hard for personal loans or adjustable loans or new mortgages that individual home buyers are getting. So it all comes down to affordability and where's everybody's threshold. So with that in mind, a lot of economists have been thinking or predicting that the Fed is going to go too hard and too fast because the inflation that we're seeing right now, we're going to have to jack rates way up. And if we do that, it's going to crush the public equities, the stocks, the real estate market, all those kinds of things, which will lead the United States into a recession, even though everyone knows we're in a technical recession right now, which means two consecutive negative quarters of GDP. So let's say 2023, the U.S. now is in a nasty recession. So the thought there is one of the only tools that the Fed can do to help out then is to lower rates again and to try to stimulate like they've done time and time again to help people out. So we just don't know, and I don't have the crystal ball, but that's what we're talking about. But to answer your question, Osh, a couple of thoughts come to mind. Number one, and this is kind of my predictions with a big disclaimer that I just quite frankly don't know what's going to happen. But I do think we are in recession. I do think it will continue in the short term to look a little bit uglier. I do think stock market's going to come down, retest the June lows, at least at bare minimum. We're almost there now. It's only like five, 10% away. And I do think rates are going to keep rising. So what we're seeing already is especially single family homes taking a bit of a haircut because of individual affordability. In the multifamily space, we're starting to see cap rates reverse and go back up, which to me is a buying opportunity because I'm a dollar cost average kind of investor. So if you're going to give me a 10% discount, I'm in. I'm doing two deals here recently. I continue to do deals. I did a lot of deals last year, did a lot of deals during the pandemic of 2020. So I'm opportunistic in that way for right or wrong. I could be dead wrong on all this, but I try not to time markets and to say, yeah, it's going to be so nasty next year that I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and wait because it may all just reverse, go back in a bull trend, stimulus comes back out, rates come down. We just don't know what the future looks like. But a couple of things I will say, I don't think it's going to look like 2008, 2009. We don't have bad lending practices like we had in 06, 07, 08, these ninja loans, which is no job and no income kind of mortgages. We have a very qualified market. We're not really feeling the recession right now because unemployment's very low. Salaries are still growing and expanding. And the economy at large is still pretty healthy and doing good. So I don't think we're in for this new Great Depression or some of these <laughs> scary headlines that you're going to see. But that's just kind of my take on it is, yes, everyone's going to be affected. Yes, prices are going to readjust. But if you're opportunistic and you've got some capital waiting to deploy, these could be opportunities 
or you could choose to sit and wait and see how that goes. But every time I tried to do that, like when the markets came down in March of 2020, I was thinking, oh man, these are 30% down and I bet they go 60% down. Then all of a sudden it's this V trend straight back up to the top and I missed out. So that's kind of where that comes from. Yeah, Travis, thank you for your insight. I knew this topic would be right in your wheelhouse and a wealth of information right there. Slocum, your thoughts on what a recession would look like for the overall economy. Thank you, Ash. Slocum Reed, apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio. As a real estate investor, this next recession will be my first. I am not as credentialed to speak on what would happen in the general economy as Travis is, or you either, Ash. I will say specific to apartment investing, a couple of caveats here. Take what I say with a grain of salt. I have decided to be the episode optimist. Whether or not I 100% believe everything I'm going to say, I'm going to be the one who paints the rosy picture in this conversation today. I will say that the prospect of recession is the largest reason that I self-manage. I want to be the one in the trenches making things work, and I now have that expertise. To a point Ash has made in a recent episode, hopefully if you are a limited or passive investor, you are invested with the experts who know how to handle this or have done this before. A couple of points specific, at least to apartment investing, that could come from an economic recession right now. The first thing to note is that this would be an inflation-driven recession or a partially inflation-driven recession. Apartments have the ability to raise rents annually to cover that inflation. And if we're seeing inflation increase prices on everything and possibly a wage price spiral like we last saw, I believe, in the 1970s, then apartment investors and apartment properties should be in a pretty good position to stay above the tide. Where a couple other comments to be the optimist, we are coming out of the best ever opportunity to lock in low interest rates for long-term fixed rate debt or long-term debt in general. So listeners, I hope you did that. I'll leave it at that for now, Ash. Yeah, Slocum, great perspective. And I'm going to date myself here. I'm the oldest person here, I, I believe. I'm pretty sure, actually. Yeah. No, uh, you so definitely I'm, are. Yeah, okay. So I'm 47 <laughs> years old. I've lived through the dot-com bubble and the recession of 2008. And I'll tell you from my perspective, Slocum, a lot of this is geared towards people that are under the age of 33 because they've only seen all the arrows go up and to the right. So when a recession hits, I remember back in 99, a lot of my friends were kind of happy. And I'm like, explain to me why this is a good thing. And they said, we have jobs. And prices will start coming down so we can buy more. Our money goes further. And I didn't really put a lot of thought into that. But I'll tell you that when the economy is down and a recession hits, there's a lot of job losses. A lot of people take hits on their retirement savings, their portfolios, their stock markets. I'll give you an example of the job losses. I was in the corporate world at the time, and we were hiring for one receptionist. We had former vice presidents from other companies applying for probably a $12 an hour receptionist job. So I don't mean to sound overly pessimistic, but that should give people a sense of what really happens when a recession hits. 
a lot of people lose liquidity, their net worth goes down. Your parents, if they're older and anticipated retiring, their 401k is going to go down. It affects a lot of people negatively. And my next segue into a recession is how does that affect real estate? And Slocum, you already hit a lot of good points on locking in long-term debt at low interest rates. We may not see that again for a long time. Any other thoughts on the effects of a recession on real estate in particular? Ash, thank you. I am trying to stay within my zone of expertise here, which is why I didn't want to comment on the broader economy. I know some things. I haven't been punched in the mouth myself by a recession yet, although my operations are hunkered down for that. I have intentionally built my businesses to be able to handle major negative events. One comment I'd like to add here, because I feel like Travis and you as well, Osh, are going to be able to add some very good broad perspective. One thing that I experienced very acutely going into the COVID lockdowns and then dealing with the COVID pandemic and a national political regime change in the midst of it is that both the Republican and Democrat regimes in the national government gave assistance to my tenants to make sure they would be able to pay their rent. That wasn't necessarily the narrative at the time, but mailing out checks that were almost as much as the monthly rent to my tenants put them in a position to give them the financial stability they needed to be able to stay in my apartments, particularly my C-class workforce housing, the people who are intrigued when Amazon comes into town because they could get a $15 an hour job and the people who were benefited by that event because they saw wages rise all over the place because now those other employers had to compete with Amazon. In those kinds of places, that tenant base was stimulated very acutely by both Republicans and Democrats in Washington. Again, I'm being an unfettered optimist here. I believe we've moved into a time in our country when we call for short-term gratification much more than we ever have. And I am built as an operator to play good defense, especially when something like a recession comes. However, I can see where the federal government and other elected officials at more local and regional state levels are going to feel pressure and succumb to pressure and give stimulus where necessary to keep my tenants in their apartments. Yeah, Slocum, such a great point. And my opinion is, I think that the Fed, although has a playbook, there's always new variables introduced, stimulus checks, the rent forgiveness, and all those government programs those have not been done prior to 15 years ago, right? So there's always new variables being introduced. Great points. And unfortunately for me, commercial tenants often did not get a stimulus check. There's some PPP loans and other things for commercial tenants, but most of my tenants did not benefit from that. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. 
It's no secret that everyone is trying to find a recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project-level IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund 4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliant's experienced team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Travis, your thoughts on how a recession affects real estate? Yeah, you both bought excellent points up. So Slocum, I want to hit on something you said earlier about being able to rise the rents. And aside from stimulus, which I never think we can forecast or plan on in any sense, and that's how I look at investing. When I personally project out for myself, I'm always saying every eight to 10 years, I'm going to lose some money. And then hopefully the dust settles and then we're back on the road again. So the variable, Ash, what you said right now is obviously the inflation is different this time. This is inflation we weren't having through the great real estate crisis and stuff like that. So how it works just to simplify this concept in an ideal world as an investor, let's say we buy a single family home and we're renting it out for $1,000 per month. So what happens when your property tax goes up 10%, your insurance goes up 10%, the HOA, if you have one, goes up? This is just general basic inflation. Well, you have to raise the rents because you don't want to take a 10% cash flow every year and say, sure, I'll just accept 8% now. That's good enough. No, you want to bump the rent so that you can cover those new expenses. And that's just how it works. So what we're seeing right now is like a weird dynamic with multifamily because this is why I see it opportunistically. So the feds raise some rates that's decreased the purchase price on a lot of multifamily. It's increased cap rates. So let's say we buy at a 10% discount. Well, A, that's nice to get a 10% discount, but B, we still have this terrible inflation and we still have wage growth right now. I know out here in Florida, they've already proposed a dollar an hour more every single year till we get to 15 or something like that. So it's like $10 an hour last year and then 11 and then 12, then 13, then 14. So we're still seeing that kind of thing nationwide. So hopefully we can still justify if we're buying the right property that's conservatively underwritten at below market rents already, that we can be able to lift those. A, getting a 10% discount to your point, Slocum, 
fixed rate, long-term debt on commercial or commercial multifamily for that sake. That's like five, seven, maybe 10 years max when I say long-term and buying interest rate caps to help protect the equity in the deal, maybe getting an assumable loan where the next buyer can take over your loan at a lower interest rate than what they are in the future. We just don't know what's going to happen. So as we're locking in, Back to the economist conversation I was having, if they're correct at large, I'm not naming any one particular economist, but if interest rates keep going up, we keep buying at discounts, and then they reverse rates back down, we're just going to refinance and have that much more equity in the deals. So I'm what Charlie Munger refers to himself as, what does he say? I'm a hopeful pessimist. So I'm always looking at the downside and the risk and not relying on the government and handouts and things like that. But I'm trying to be in that affordable sector like Slocum. He's more in the C-class product type. I'm more in the B-class product type. And if you go back, another great quote from Warren Buffett is, we learn from mistakes, but those mistakes don't have to be your own. So I've read this Harvard study that got published about what happened to multifamily through 2008, 9, and 10. I've read that numerous times. But the point is, yeah, I wasn't there doing multifamily at that time myself, but I do see the outcome of it and what happened on the macro level. And that gives me a little more certainty of what we're seeing today, at least. Yeah, great insight. I'll just add a few things. For real estate in a recession, I think you have to plan on no more rent increases, increased delinquency and lack of demand for maybe certain higher end properties. All of these things need to be stress test into your deals. And of course, cap rates rising because of the interest rates is going to make the value of properties decrease as well. So awesome. Last topic here. And this one, I'm going to rely heavily on you, Travis. Inflation is typically caused by one of two things lacks Fed policy, printing money essentially, and supply shocks. Currently, we're experiencing both of them. We've been printing a lot of money, both through stimulus and just government purchasing. And the supply shocks are twofold. One, during COVID, and now during the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's putting a lot of pressure on consumer staples, food, gas, energy. How does inflation affect real estate specifically? The real question is, how does carried away inflation affect real estate? Well, I think if you've tuned in or at least watched some highlights from the Jackson Hole meeting that just happened with Jerome Powell, they're hyper-focused right now on getting this inflation down at the risk, quite frankly, of being okay with really sending us into recession because he sees that as that's their number one job. That's what they're hired to do, and they're going to do it. So that kind of hawkishness really scared the markets last week. I don't know when this episode's going to air, by the way, but we had a terrible Friday. Stock market indexes were down 4% or something crazy because everyone's trying to figure out what the next game plan is. So here's some good supporting data. We don't have the data yet for August, but we spiked at 9.1% CPI reading and then 85 So we're temporarily at least seeing a decrease. And I hope that we continue seeing that and what they're going to base their decisions off of are these types of readings. So if we see inflation go 9.1, 8.5, 7.5, 6.5, 5.5, there's going to be a time that they start tapering off and saying, we're good. Let's sit and wait a little bit and let's see what happens. And I hope that that's the case. If we start seeing it come back up 9.5, 10.5, they're going to have to go so aggressive that what we're talking about right now could all be different. 
if we had to bring interest rates up to 12, 13 percent, something like we saw back in the late 70s, early 80s, it would absolutely destroy the economy and really the worldwide economy. So that's going to be a tough one to watch. But I guess to answer your question, Ash, Consumer savings have been decreasing. They increased temporarily through the stimulus era of the pandemic. And now we're kind of back to an all-time low savings rate and people are really pinched. And so we've seen oil and gas taper off from 120 a barrel down to 90 or whatever it is today. So that's nice because that's one of the leading indicators for inflation. So to your point, Ash, I completely agree with you. If I'm doing a deal as an LP, the last thing I want to see is we're going to buy this property. We're going to jack rates $400 a month right out of the gate. And then we're going to have these 5 to 7% rent bumps every single year for the next five years. I think that's totally unrealistic. And we're putting people in a really tough spot. But also to your point, Ash, when you were talking about the VPs applying for $12 an hour jobs back in the recession, this is why I tend not to do luxury, high-end, $5,000 per month, new development and coastal cities and stuff like that, because a lot of renters are more of that kind of demographic. So if those high paying jobs start getting cut and we do start to see a reversal of the unemployment and people getting laid off in mass numbers, they're going to be sliding down into that B and C class product type for the most part. Not everyone, of course, but statistically speaking, that is what happened during 08, 09. So a couple thoughts. Yeah. Again, thank you. And I love your perspective. Best ever listeners, some of the younger best ever listeners that may not be totally in tune to this, when the Fed makes a decision, it's kind of like a container ship with a small rudder. It takes a lot of time for that decision to take effect, but one of the weapons in the Fed's arsenal is anticipation. So when they make these comments, man, does that move markets? So they can't just say, we're going to increase rates and see what happens they came out swinging and said, we're going to attack inflation until it no longer exists. And part of that is getting consumers and getting investors in a different mindset, knowing what's coming. The last topic that I have is, are you making any different decisions knowing that there's some headwinds on the horizon? And Travis, I know you're very disciplined. Slocum is an optimist. Anything different knowing that there could be some hard times coming. Yeah, well, criteria-wise, as we just spoke about, making sure that everyone likes to say they're conservative in their underwriting, but are they? You really have to look at exit cap rate projections and cash on cash and this kind of stuff. Or if they're saying we're going to refi and give you half your money back in three years, this stuff may not come true. These are only projections. And I don't like to see that kind of stuff. Look at the rent bumps, look at the business plan, look at realistically how low the market rents are compared to their competitors right now. You can do that on apartments.com. So it's kind of that trust, but verify. But here's my perspective, Ash. If I can get into a conservative deal this year that I truly feel is conservative at a five, six, maybe 7% cash flow with limited downside and limited risk, that's just an adjustment mentally that I've had to make as an investor coming from deals I used to do that were eight, nine, 10, 11% out of the gate and double your money in three years. This is not the kind of environment that I think we're going to see those kinds of outcomes. So what's your alternative? Sure. I don't do a syndication. I go throw it in the public markets and they go down 20%. I'd rather have a 5% gain than a 20% loss. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Slocum, any Decisions you're making differently, knowing what could be on the horizon? 
There are a couple of things here, and I will say I am highly optimistic for the sake of good conversation in this episode. My own beliefs and opinions don't exactly line up with everything I'm saying, but it's a perspective I think ought to be shared in this conversation. And a previous point on the question that you asked, Travis, inflation being the result of supply and demand, the optimists would like to point out that we're still in a supply shortage of all forms of housing, especially apartments, and that that low supply that we have, especially in in in-demand areas, is the key reason that rents keep going up. The demand is greater than the supply, and an economic recession outside of apartments isn't going to change that unless somehow miraculously a lot more apartments get built very quickly. Specific to how I am shifting as an active owner operator right now, looking at more turbulent waters in the future and not willing to predict exactly how they will pan out, I am seeing my LOIs get beaten by greater margins more regularly now. And I think other investors offering on the same deals that I am are actually feeding on all of this optimism that I'm sharing right now, and particularly the supply and demand pressures on apartments that keep rents going up at the moment. The question I'm asking myself is, how can I skate to where the puck is going? The goal long term is, of course, to build the portfolio. I am more of a buy and hold guy than a value add guy. And where I'm pivoting in the moment is while the offers I'm willing to make are not all that competitive, the place where I can grow is in the services that I can provide to other investors. All of these people buying these apartments for more money than I am willing to pay are going to need management. They're going to need renovation services. They're going to need things that are still desperately difficult to find in the labor shortage market that we're experiencing right now. And it gives me an opportunity to improve my game as an operator and build my companies. So in an effort to skate where the puck is going, while my LOIs are not the ones getting accepted, I'm looking at scaling through providing services to these other investors who are willing to be more aggressive than I am at this moment in Q3 2022. Yeah, great perspective. Thank you for that, Slocum. As far as me making different decisions, I, for the most part, always try to time the stock market. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Opposite of Travis, just in terms of real estate deals, we're just a lot more conservative. We're not banking on filling vacancies like we would have a few years ago. We are wanting longer-term leases from some anchor tenants, And we're just way more conservative. Exit caps, again, are going to be higher than our entry caps. And we're anticipating having to hold properties a lot longer than the two, three-year turnarounds. So, gentlemen, great conversation today. Thank you for all your perspective. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.